Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Six foot four. Cousins is trying to get it to the end zone. The Hail Mary from Cousins. It's caught! It's Kyle Rudolph with a Viking touchdown! Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man Flip Mozzie and Merry Christmas everyone. Thank you for spending 15 minutes with me today. After the game on Sunday, the Minnesota Vikings running out of chances to get it right in 2018, but they get it right today. Just one regular season contest to go following their 27-9 win over the Detroit Lions. Minnesota moves to 8-6-1. The Lions drop to 5-10 in Matt Patricia's first year as head coach. We're here for the instant reaction right behind the game against a division rival. Despite all of Mike Zimmer's success, he's only 500 now versus Detroit. Our Purple won the last three in a row. The Vikings started the game slow, way too slow, lacked the look of a contender. They were sleepwalking through the first half, lulled to sleep in Ford Field with a crowd full of apathetic Lions fans. Our Vikes were able to stay within double digits though, then things turned around quickly. Zero points scored became 14 points before halftime, then a 13 to nothing shutout in the second half. Easiest game for Minnesota all year. Kinda crazy they almost blew it, still one team looked clearly better today, one team made all the big plays. An unusual day for the offense was Stephon Diggs and Kirk Cousins not fully clicking, Kyle Rudolph entered center stage. Huge day for Rudy. Clutch day for Rudy to lead the effort. Dalvin Cook not that far behind him. Not as flashy as last week. It didn't have to be. The defense fought without Eric Kendricks. Didn't seem to miss him in an admittedly easy game for them. Matt Stafford only having one weapon due to all those Lions injuries. Detroit just threw up prayers and chose to put their backup quarterback in because the game was over. The NFC scrap heap finally starts to clear up. Minnesota keeps control of their own destiny. The W today basically kicks all those crappy teams out. A lot of teams needed wins this week but didn't get them. Washington lost to Tennessee. Carolina lost to Atlanta. Only Philadelphia held on to victory at home against Houston. We look at how some of these NFC pretenders are finishing the year and gotta be excited about the last two weeks for the Vikings. The ship looks righted for now at least. It's all just what the doctor ordered for an up and down squad with massive potential if they figure it all out. There's still sloppy play, penalties, miscommunication, entire puzzle not solved yet. However, the effort is still there. 
still showing more determination, more perseverance than they did early on in the year. The Vikings have become businesslike and workmanlike. It's harder to see in a road game and a slower than acceptable start to this game, but the defense has kept form. They continue to disallow big plays, how Detroit to field goals. The offense continues to show balance. 30 pass plays, 28 runs, more effective running the ball, and more weapons involved. Momentum from last week is still there. Offense had the more interesting game flow, so we're going to start with them. Kevin Stefanski's unit started their first drive from their own two-yard line, forced them to go conservative, two runs to get some more breathing room, third down is a pass, but Kirk can't connect. Looked like he threw the route while Stefan tried to extend it to the first down line, so the pass is short, Vikings punt. Understandable drive there. We saw four more drives of this, though. That's too many. Not a sharp offense. Diggs and Cousins couldn't get on the same page. First a miscommunication, then a drop, then the penalties. My goodness. Reef and Remmers just sabotaged the early offensive production. Conservative play calling continued, too. In the moment makes us fans really uneasy, still in the big picture. The runs, for some reason, help the end result. Maybe they just help Kirk from dropping back 40-plus times, taking more hits, giving him more chances to make a catastrophic mistake. Either way, all those runs in the first half didn't result in any points. Our Vikes didn't score until time forced them to open things up. Four minutes left in the second quarter before the first touchdown drive. A drive that went 69 yards and overcame two penalties. Our purple ran for 8 yards on that drive and passed for 61. The marquee play comes with Kirk hanging in the pocket, then finding Thielen deep. Huge toss, broken coverage, and the connection. Finally threatening to score. They did two snaps later. Kirk digs on the easy out route. Stefan chilling with fans in the stands after his score. Dan Bailey bangs in the extra point through, makes it 7-9. And the next touchdown drive, even more pass-heavy, even more miraculous. 36 seconds left in the half, short passes to Rudy and Thielen to help battle through another holding penalty. Kirk followed that, going to Rudy again, then Kirk to Rudy again. Hail Mary and Kyle goes up for it, hauls it in above blue paint. The Vikings grab the lead on it and never look back. So, it's pretty easy to argue the run game hindered the offense in the first half. Second half is where it made a difference, getting Dalvin early carries paid off eventually, spurred on by back-to-back touchdown drives, offense started going to work. Thielen continued to pop up, he got it started with a 13-yard grab, then Dalvin and Latavius Murray net 49 yards on the next five plays. Down into field goal range, Kirk couldn't finish this one off. He threw to Rudy and Thielen again. Not enough yards though. Dan Bailey bangs in his first field goal to make it 17-9, ending a six-minute drive. The Vikings drive to make it a two-score game even better. I mean, on this nine-play 53-yard march, they drained five and a half minutes off the clock. They overcame three penalties, and they did it with only four athletes in the box score. Kirk Cousins, 
Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, Kyle Rudolph. Rudy had four targets, four catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown on this drive alone. Kevin Stefanski making good on John DeFilippo's promise. John DeFilippo who said Dalvin Cook was a big reason why he took the OC job in Minnesota. John DeFilippo who said he knew how to scheme open tight ends. It's K-Steph making those things happen. The offense can score purely through using secondary weapons while Diggs and Thielens draw stacked coverage. If they can do that more consistently, there's no reason to doubt them. That's a new look for the Vikings offense, and it's being paired with the same old Minnesota defense. That means always bending, never breaking. Our Vikes deferred, so Detroit got the ball first. Lions actually hit on three good runs in a row, including a 29-yard scamper by Zach Zenner. Then our linebackers showed up. Anthony Barr and Eric Wilson made back-to-back stops behind the line of scrimmage, forces Detroit's first of six punts. On the Lions' second drive, the impact of Minnesota's anemic offense started being felt, mainly through field position. Detroit got the ball just seven yards from midfield, moved the ball on one big drag route to Kenny Galladay, then kicked a 47-yard field goal. This time, Daniil Hunter ended the drive with a run stop, the kind he makes look easy. The home team alternated in this fashion for the first half, six drives that resulted in three field goals, three punts. Their longest drive of the day went for 36 yards. Only real difference is they scored field goals when they got the ball in plus territory. And in almost all drives, Minnesota battled defensive penalties before getting key stops to shut things down for Detroit. First Wilson and Barr, then Hunter, then Harrison Smith and Mackenzie Alexander make run stops to end the third drive. And then on the fourth drive, Trey Waynes makes a run stop on Theo Riddick. Alexander covers up Kenny Galladay. Somehow that wasn't enough. Penalties kept the Lions in the game with the field position advantage and scoring field goals. A 9-0 lead actually looked big before the offense made their move. Some fans, I bet, were actually disappointed in the defensive effort. Gotta have faith. These are the Zim Reapers. They challenged a reeling offense, put in a great, complete game versus an offense that gave up. It turned the game into what we expected eventually. The defensive stand to get Minnesota the ball back before halftime, magnificent. The second half, exquisite. Once the penalties went away, Minnesota stymied the Lions' rushing attack. That left only Stafford tossing the ball up to his receivers with little more than hopes and prayers. Checkdowns too. The sacks started coming after that. Everson Griffin and Eric Wilson taking Stafford down. At 27-9, that broken offense pulled their quarterback from the game. Matt Castle came in to mop things up because this one was over. 12 drives, 6 punts, 3 field goals, and 2 turnovers on downs. Kentrell Brothers ends the game on the sack. Now looking at the playmakers, Matt Stafford didn't do anything special today. He stayed clean in the early stages and found his main man often. 3.6 yards per attempt isn't going to get the job done though. 
too many errant throws behind an offensive line that actually played okay for the Lions. Minnesota didn't hassle Stafford much. He hassled himself. Kenny Galladay had Detroit's best day. Six catches for 58 yards. He started hot. Xavier Rhodes playing well. Galladay playing even better. He was their entire offense, but like the offense, he disappeared following halftime. Five of his catches were in the first half, and 15 targets total to get to those six catches. Yeah, can't wait to see those success rate numbers. I bet they're awful. Now looking elsewhere, LeGarrette Blunt didn't do anything. Bottled up, linebackers and defensive backs splash into the backfield all game. Like we're accustomed to, Gideon and Wilson made some noise on the defense. Zach Zenner had that big run, helped Detroit win field position game at the onset. Overall, he had 8 runs, 45 yards. Nothing scary, but maybe the Lions should have used him more. Now our Vikes. Kirk Cousins stuck with it, stuck through the early struggles. I loved this Kirk game. Not flashy, certainly not, but he played clean. Finding the open man, avoiding the turnovers, and he's doing enough. That easy snipe to Diggs, the rocket launch throw to Rudolph. Still not the best pocket presence, but his strengths, accuracy, and arm paying big dividends. Stephon Diggs, a down game for him. Didn't click early enough, not quite on the same page today. We still like that key touchdown to get the offense back on track. Other athletes stepped up. Adam Thielen had a day, 80 yards on 5 catches, last week he got quiet while Diggs drew more targets, this week it's the opposite. Dalvin Cook, we touched on it earlier, 108 yards total on 19 touches, full workload and it's paying off. His success becoming the backbone of the offense, many players doing work around him, including Kyle Christmas Time Rudolph. 9 targets, 9 catches, 122 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Fascinating day from Rudy since he wasn't just a safety valve, he threatened downfield and Stefanski's offense at times. And he's wide open on these plays. Defenses don't scheme for him, that's a strength for the good guys in purple, not a weakness. We debated hard how the offense needed to improve. Some fans worried about going away from Diggs and Thielen, even though they were drawing all the coverage. Made some sense, they're the best athletes when the offense takes to field. The key to improvement, though, enable the other guys, just like we discussed all year long on this podcast. Take advantage of the guys who Thielen and Diggs open up. Running the offense through Cook and Rudy required better play from Kirk. They're getting it. If it continues, Stefan and Adam will see some more advantageous matchups again. Then the offense will really take off. On the injury front, Eric Kendricks missed this dance with a hamstring injury. That meant increased play time for Eric Wilson and Ben Gideon. Wilson on the field just a whole bunch and he might just be a better sub for Kendricks than he is for Barr. Stepped right in, led the team in tackles, three tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, and a sack. Gideon did well, barely outdone, second on the team in tackles, adding a fourth incompletion too. Other existing injuries, David Morgan, Mike Remmers, Linval Joseph, not really noticed. We'll see what the snap counts say. Chad Beebe finally healthy and gets activated over Laquan Treadwell. Doesn't do much of anything with it. Didn't really see him on offense. I remember him fielding a punt when Marcus Sherrills went out with the foot injury. 
Cheryl's missed time. So did CJ Ham after he got nicked up. And Xavier Rhodes went down. We're hoping it's classic Xavier where he gets beat, then gets hurt, and it's not too serious. <laughs> but not really a joking matter. We need X to keep closing Rhodes. And so it begins. The Minnesota Vikings enter playoff mode early for their season finale with the Chicago Bears coming to town. A home game with utmost importance needed to clinch the tournament for Minnesota at the last possible second. Chicago fighting for the two seed. Don't expect a lackluster effort from them. A victory against the Bears could put our Vikings in the playoffs and on a plane to the Windy City the following week. We've had four months to figure out what this team is. Still really have no idea. Are they a group that can defeat anybody, lose to anybody? Or are they a late-blooming Super Bowl contender with the hints of greatness we saw in 2017? There's no easy way to figure this all out. It's only the hard way. Minnesota couldn't do anything for Chicago in Week 11. The Bears sprung out to a 14-0 lead, and it was 22-6 when Eddie Jackson housed an interception in the fourth quarter. Outside of garbage time, our purple played like garbage. Offense was that old Vikings offense, Diggs and Thielen balling and nobody else. Kirk throwing 45 passes with middling results and turnovers. The defense frustrated Trubisky, still with the affair being so one-sided, they eventually broke down too. Mitch stressed them with his legs, and the Vikings had no answer for Tariq Cohen. In Week 17, all questions must be answered. Kansas Vikings squad pull off an upset. Can they beat a tough NFC opponent? Are they deserving of a playoff berth? Is our defense still elite versus more modern offenses? Is the offensive switch permanent? A slide out of the tournament won't sit well with Vikings fans following 2017, when they were close just one game away from the Super Bowl. This team must make the dance, and I think they will. They're definitely good enough to now just play like it. Thank y'all for listening. Skull Vikes. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. 
a little spoiler for you. If a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.